When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Jesus, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him, saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been condemned guilty, justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. So, a little more history for what it's worth. Pope Pius XI established this thing called Christ the King Sunday back in 1925, which is to say it is relatively new as far as Christian traditions go in the grand scheme of our faith. I feel like it's kind of a hallmark holiday some of the time to be honest, not something the earliest believers would have bothered with or tended to. It's not worthless or without meaning, though, which is why we play along with it around here year after year. See, the earliest Christians didn't need a special day like Christ the King Sunday, the way that Pope Pius XI believed modern Christians did and perhaps still do. Maybe it's more fair to say that earlier Christians' need for such an occasion is different, or maybe it's evolved over time. Whatever the case, I'll try to make sense of this, Pope Pius wanted a day set apart and lifted up back in his day as one that would put faith in Jesus Christ very deliberately up against the popular culture and political movements of the day. Stuff like secularism and communism and fascism that were growing in the 20s. For those of you who went to the Wired Word Adult Forum last week, Pope Pius would relish the chance to celebrate Christ the King Sunday in our day and age in direct faithful opposition to movements of Christian nationalism that are blooming in our country these days. Anyway, all this is to say, all this Christ the King Sunday stuff and today's out-of-sorts, out-of-order kind of gospel reading mean to point to the stark opposition between the politics and the powers that be in this world and the powers that are the kingdom of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. And we are meant to wonder about to commit more faithfully to and to find some measure of hope in the notion that our allegiance, our faith, should lie in the kingdom of God of Jesus rather than 
the kingdoms of this world. And there hasn't been a more glaring, more obvious expression of the contradiction between these two kinds of kingdoms, in my opinion, in recent days, than in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II back in September. I'm talking about the 10 days of public mourning, the hours and hours of people lined up for days, not for Taylor Swift tickets, but for a glimpse of the woman's box lying in state and of her family's grief and all the money and all the manpower it takes to make something like that happen. Again, the contradiction between the crowns and the carriages and the coffins of the queen and the cross of Christ at Calvary could not be greater. And more than that, Queen Elizabeth's death and the transitions that take place within the royal family that inevitably follow, kings and queen consorts now and dukes and duchesses that get to live in different places because of it all, all of that raised again long-held and growing questions about a modern-day monarchy's relevance and its purpose in the 21st century. As figureheads with very little, if any, actual power and authority, people wonder is maintaining their status with all of its pomp and circumstance and exorbitant expense, especially in light of the monarchy's racist colonial past, is all of it worth the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars it takes to sustain that year after year. We don't have to worry about that. But speaking of transitions, we've got our own changing of the guard taking place on this side of the pond to wonder about too. With the results of the midterm elections added up, we know that the Republicans won control of the House of Representatives, so they have to figure out who's going to run that ship for a while. The Democrats kept control of the Senate, but have to figure out now who's going to lead their caucus for a change. And the campaigns for president, which won't be decided for another two whole years, have already begun. So all those politicians and all those pundits their spokespeople and their stakeholders, those news anchors and all those analysts are working very hard to convince you and me to start stewing about this now, already, all of the time. So all of that is to say, Pope Pius XI might have known what he was doing with Christ the King Sunday after all, because it's meant to be all about perspective and priorities for God's people. Today, we are reminded not to conflate or confuse the powers of this world with the power of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. When we get confused by or sucked into the excesses of life as we know it, we are reminded that Jesus lived simply and generously and that we are called to just the same. When the world pretends that peace and power come by way of oppression and exclusion or war, we see Jesus loving his enemies and welcoming sinners and forgiving that thief on the cross and welcoming him into heaven. When we find ourselves wondering and worrying and wringing our hands over the state of things and the shenanigans of our leaders on this side of heaven, 
we're invited to see it all in the shadow of Christ's cross and in the light of God's grace. And remember that none of those pundits, not one of those politicians ever gets the last word. Thanks be to God. Because so much of our time and so many out there in the world sing about and celebrate a superhero kind of Jesus. We celebrate the water walking and the demon damning and the water to wine making, the miracle curing Jesus. This Jesus who might show up with power from on high, a mighty warrior, a military leader, a political politician himself, a king with a cape and a crown, perhaps. Someone who would take the on the other leaders and rulers of this world and win with a flash of his sword and a flurry of fists. But God delivers someone altogether different with the promise that we will be delivered in altogether different ways too. God delivers this king in Jesus, destined for thorns and a cross, destined for nails and whips and struggling and suffering, destined for death and dying and a tomb even. God delivers this king Jesus Christ, broken and vulnerable, hurting, hopeful, living and dying, though, just like the rest of us in so many ways. And God did it so that the likes of you and I could imagine something more and better and different and holy for ourselves and for others, too. If we only see Jesus as a king by the world's standards, bathed in light and robed in white or God forbid, a flag. We are not recognizing the fullness of God's grace for the entirety of our human experience or for the sake of the whole wide world as God intends. We're missing the power of God to be revealed in and through our weakness. We're missing the power of God to show up in spite of our sin and in the face of all those things that scare us, that sadden us, and that cause us to struggle most. But when we see that Jesus really does bear our diseases and comes out of them, we know that we will too. When we know Jesus to suffer for our struggles and to weep because of our grief, we have hope to endure those struggles and sufferings also. When we see Jesus' humility in the face of the world's pride, his sacrifice in the face of our greed, his love in the face of our warring madness, when we see God's willingness to come down and to enter into all of this mess with us and then get a sense that what it means to celebrate Jesus Christ as God's kind of king over and against the kings and queens and kingdoms of this world. Jesus Christ became less so that we'd know we mean more in God's eyes. Jesus Christ became nothing so that we could believe we are something as far as God is concerned. God so loved the world that Jesus came for all of it, not just some of us. Jesus Christ, the King, suffered and died and was buried so that in his resurrection to new life, we could imagine ourselves to be loved and cherished children of God so that we could see and celebrate that truth for others, too, and so that we could live differently, like God's kind of humble, hope-filled, royalty redeemed because of it. Amen.